Welcome to Song Thrive, an interview podcast that explores the stories and events that lead to great songwriting. In this episode, I talk with Howie Spangler, the lead singer and guitarist of Ballyhoo. The band is best known for their genre mashing of rock, reggae, punk, and tropical styles. Listen in as we discuss the band's writing process, Howie's musical journey, and early influences. Awesome. So thanks for joining me, Howie. Super excited to be with you today, talking music, talking songwriting, and getting into your head and finding a little bit more out about your process, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for asking me to do it, man. So, you know, what were your your first memories of music? Do you do you remember those first memories? I remember uh I remember being a kid and um listening to Bananarama. Um I'm your Venus. I'm your You know that song? Oh um, yeah. Oh, and yeah. uh yeah, I remember listening to that. We are, we had a babysitter come over. I don't even know. What was that, 86 maybe? Um, it was when it was hot on the radio. And we had a babysitter come over. And um, she somehow was able to find, I guess we like, we would call, she would call and like request the song. Um, and so we would just listen to each station as she called and they would eventually play it. And this happened like, I don't know, three or four different mix stations in, in town or whatever. And uh, just, we would, and then just goofing off all the, like there was me and my brother and I got maybe another kid, like, and we were just like goofing off and like dancing. And, you know, I was like five years old, maybe six. And uh, I don't know, like, I, I remember so that and like Debbie Gibson and like, um, Belinda Carlisle, like all these songs are on the radio and, and like, mtv at the time um and so i think that's where like i got that love for like pop like melody um i'm not a huge fan of like pop music you know what 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 you think is pop music today but um melody for sure and so i think that's maybe where i got that from i listened to radio a lot watched mtv a lot and then um my dad took me to see me and my brother to see rat and poison. Um, I think Tesla was there too. And this was in 87, March of 87. And I was six years old and, um, it was like the best thing I'd ever seen. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And I have the picture, um, on my wall next to my studio. Like, so my, my whole desk and console and everything. Um, I had that picture hanging up from that night and I'm in a rat, me and my brother in a rat t-shirt and <laughs> my dad's there. And it's just like, that's when I decided that I wanted to make music and be in a band. Nice. So that, that first rat concert, that must've been awesome. Um, oh, it was the best. <laughs> Full on true so rock. Rad. I mean, it's dude, that was like, yeah, the eighties glam shit. Absolutely. Like, it was when it was heavy. You For know? sure. So that was kind of like your first, you know, intro to rock and roll. Um, you know, yeah. nice. Okay. And then after that, what, 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 uh, what grade was this? Do you remember? Was this like middle school, high school? So no, so this was, um, um, so I was six years old. So okay. probably I Elementary. guess first grade. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe first grade. And, uh, so yeah, man, I was just like, and I was into Motley Crue and, 
my brother and I would play, we, we used to say, Hey, you want to go play band? And we'd, we say, yeah. So we'd run upstairs in the bedroom and like we shared a bedroom and he would sit on the bed with like pencils, like he was playing the drums and I would grab a pencil as if I was like a microphone. <laughs> and then we would just, I would just jump around the room and we'd play like all our favorite albums at that time, like rat records, Motley Crue, poison, Cinderella, you know, skid row, like whatever we had. Um, and we would just play those tapes front to back and just mimic, pretend we were having a, a concert, a rock show. That's amazing. I mean, it's it's so cool for for the listeners that know you too, that um, your brother, you know, must have been awesome having a brother that's musical too, Don, you know, Donald, right? So um, mm-hmm. for anyone who out there who has not heard of Ballyhoo yet, you're about to find out a lot more, but um, how he's actually the lead singer and guitar player and his brother is the drummer. So I could just imagine you guys, you know, after this rat concert, getting home, you know, playing band and you guys are just stoked, you know, you're just, you're just in the element. So was it at this point, you guys were super young. Was this when you realized like, Hey, like I actually want to do this. Or was it years later that it became kind of a reality, um, wanting to do music and, and learn, pick up guitar and, and start a band? I think it was like, <clears throat> I was a kid, so it was an awesome experience. It was like amazing to see, these bands that I loved, I knew the songs and like, um, watching, I mean, I always recall this, but like Brett Michaels on the stage, those guys were like 20 or 21 at the time, you know, just all young guys. And, um, I'm watching Brett Michaels hump the stage <laughs> while like Ricky Rockets doing like a, like a drum, uh, like a, tom, like a fill in the toms, like don't, 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 something like that. And like, there's, there's smoke and there's lights and the shit's flashing. And this, the stage was huge and it was just like this fucking amazing thing to watch. I remember just being like, what the fuck is happening right now? And um, so, yeah, I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. But it wasn't until I was about 12 or 13 that I started writing songs. Um, it was like, I remember trying to play guitar. I had this little little acoustic guitar that my mom got me. My parents got me for like when I was five. And... I tried to play, they tried to give me lessons. And I guess all I, my dad said, all I, all I wanted to do was like, just really, just like rock out on like strum it really fast. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't care where my hands were on the fretboard, yeah. stuff like that, you know? <laughs> um, and so, you know, I was just, wasn't, you know, focused. And uh, so the, the lessons didn't work. And then I tried to like play by ear. Remember trying, my dad just bought the rat record, um, uh, reach for the sky. And, um, I, when he was done listening to it, I, I came home from school. He was listening to it. I was like, is that the new rat? He's like, yeah. And he was done listening. He let me take it in the bedroom and I grabbed the, the acoustic guitar. I was like inspired, but I couldn't figure out how to play the guitar. I didn't know like what notes to play. Like I didn't understand any of it. Um, so I got frustrated and stopped. And, but my dad always kept, uh, he always had the house like filled with gear, like drums or guitars or, you know, musical instruments. Nice drum pads things like that so that we could play any time of the That's day awesome. yeah he was he was just really into it real supportive he was in a band he was in several bands growing up and you know he was trying to nurture nurture that that love that we had for it and it just it just didn't happen as a kid it, it, it took me until i was like 12 or 13 when i started to like get serious about it i saw a friend i, w- I was writing songs like i was writing love songs about girls i had crushes on in like middle school 
And then finally in, it was Halloween of 1994 and I was Eric Draven, the crow for Halloween. (laughs) And we're walking around the neighborhood. I remember it was kind of rainy that night and a friend of mine that I, I didn't know him that well, uh, but I knew who he was. He was standing on the corner. He's wearing a jester hat, like, like a clown, like a jester with the bells on and stuff. And he was just standing there. He was playing a Fender Stratocaster. And there was no amp. It was just, he was just playing clean, you know, um, into this guitar. And he was playing uh, songs that we knew. Like, I was like, dude, play Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana, you know, (laughs) play When I Come Around by Green Day, you know. And that is what really got me to like, like, I was like, I want to, like, I could do that, you know, I could totally do that. You know, I saw this kid that was my age and he was doing it. I was like, I could totally do that. And so, um, that, uh, I don't know, around Christmas or maybe it was like within the month, I think it was like late November, maybe, um, I went to the pawn shop down, down in town here in Aberdeen and, uh, they had this guitar sitting there. He wanted 130 bucks for it. I told him all I had was a hundred. He gave it to me and it was this old shitty guitar. And that's, that's when I started. And I, I would use my babysitting money. Um, I was babysitting my mom's friend's kid. <laughs> you know and so i saved my money i saved like 80 bucks and i bought this little crate amp oh yeah we all had the crates you know <laughs> i had a crate <laughs> yeah, i had a crate <laughs> awesome and this really shitty distortion pedal and all distortion pedals are shitty yeah. but um it's a little dod distortion box oh, yeah. and that was my setup nice. and i just started learning how to play he um, this guy dave he showed me how to play power chords and that was it man nice like, it's all so cool, you know so your dad was kind of nurturing the whole the whole idea of of playing music, which is really cool. And I'm sure you know I'm I'm an upcoming dad, and I know you're a dad, and it's funny because it's like, don't get me started. I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be taking them into Guitar Center, like showing. I don't know if they're gonna want to do it, but it's like, hey, here's a guitar. You know, so, you're gonna do this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely I'm gonna be living vicariously through them. I'm sure. So you know, you're learning these, these, uh, power chords, but was there a point where you were like, Hey, I'm going to take lessons or how, how were you, you know, how are you picking up guitar at this point? Um, there was never any lessons. I, I just, uh, I didn't have the patience for that. I just wanted to do it. Nice. And so, you know, I come home from school and I practiced for a solid year, you know, before I felt like, I was really doing something, you know, and, um, but it was just really, that's all it was. He showed me how to do a power chord. And I, once you know a power chord, you can play anything. Absolutely. And there's obviously, there's obviously like, you know, many chords and different ways to play and plucky plucky and things like Mm -hmm. that, real pretty stuff. And like, I wasn't interested in that. I was interested in playing Green Day songs, (laughs) you know, and, um, that's all it was. It's, it was just, most Green Day songs are three or four chords and I could play all of them, you know? And uh, it just opened up a whole a whole new world, um, the possibilities, you know? And once I saw it, I just, I just, I just ran with it and I started writing my own songs. Um, I'd already been writing, but it was before I could play guitar. And so I, I was taking these old songs that I'd, I'd written lyrics for and trying to put them to the, to the music and most of them sucked. And um, I don't know, we, we played... Once uh once I started getting the guitar stuff down, I asked my brother, I was like, Hey, do you wanna do you wanna start that band that we've always wanted to start? You oh know? yeah. It's time. And he was like, 
Yes. So, <laughs> oh my God. And he's, awesome. he's a year and a half <laughs> younger than me. So, um, this was in, uh, when we finally decided to do it, it was, it was summer of 95. It was after ninth grade. And, uh, I'd seen some local bands at school. We, um, play, play some shows at the school. And, um, they, uh, I remember going to these shows and like one of the bands was really good. They were like really good for what it was. The other bands weren't that great, but like, um, it was just the fact that they were doing it. And like, I, I just felt like, okay, this is my place. Like, this is where I want to be. Like, I, we can totally do this. And then I told Donald, I was like, we're going to do this shit. He's like, yes. So <laughs> All he, day. He's, he's, yeah. He's in, uh, I guess he's going, he's, it's after seventh grade for him, after ninth grade for me. So he's going into eighth grade. I'm going into 10th grade. And, uh, we're just playing every day after school and our buddy, this guy, Josh, that we knew, um, he just said like, Oh, I'm going to pick up the bass. He just wanted to like get chicks. That's all it was, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, yeah. So he came over. Well, I, I remember we were jammed at his house and then he came like a, a couple weekends and then he, get, then he came to my house and we jammed as, as a trio, uh, and just kind of started from there and it was the summer of 95 and then finally march 1st 96 uh we played our first show at the school so it was like this whole like oh, wow it was such an accomplishment because i'd seen these bands at school probably i want to say the spring of uh 95 and a year later we're playing our show you know it was it was such a such a monumental thing at the time you know we like we made a plan to do it we we practiced every day and then there we were a year later we were <laughs> playing our own show and i don't know from then it was like i remember being really nervous going on and we opened with this green day song and uh i was like and we were all just like i was anxious and you know everything all the feelings oh yeah and I'm in about 30 seconds in, man. I was just like, okay, probably not even 30 seconds. I was like, all right, this is it. Like, this is fucking uh, it. This is what I want it. to do. You're feeling. So, do you remember? Do you remember your the first song that you wrote? Do you remember the title? Or, or were you were you starting out? You know, just kind of messing around with that, and then more doing covers at this point. But yeah, take you know, fill me in on on that first song if you remember it. Man, there's. It's kind of it's kind of jumbled, but like I remember writing, um, written some like love songs, like like I said, like girls I had crushes on. Um, but there was I don't know if it was the first song, but it was definitely one of the one of the first. Um, the song called uh, Acidosis, nice. and yeah, and like I remember looking it up or hearing about it or something or I heard about it and I looked it up. I don't remember, yeah. but, and it was just like, I guess like a, uh, I can't remember the actual, um, definition right now, but it's like, I guess it's like a thing that happens. Like you, oh God, what am I trying to say? Like when you OD on, I don't know. It's not, it's not like OD on drugs. It's just like destruction. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, everybody look it up. Acidosis. <laughs> Acidosis. Um, nice. So it was this, I had written this, pop punk song and it was like this fast you know i was trying to be green day you know it's like so i'm just writing these fast pop punk songs and uh it was just silly it didn't make any sense 
And it was just about being silly and being, I don't know, going crazy because I had acidosis. The, 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 the hook of the line the, on the last, in the chorus, the last line was, um, my diagnosis is acidosis, but it was like so fun. <laughs> it was like upbeat yeah. and fun and melodic. And it was one of our popular songs back then. I mean, for, you know, in the teenage years, yeah. but we used to play it at every show and all the kids would, all our friends at the parties and stuff would go crazy and there'd be mosh pits in the house. And like, we did, you know, <laughs> we play house parties and wherever we could. And it was, uh, <laughs> I remember just being a, one of my favorite songs to play. That's awesome yeah. because it's, it's just interesting because when I was, I was actually just jamming out to like your whole discography. I was out with my dog and just kind of hanging out and just listening through all the tracks, listening through all the albums. And the vibe I got was just, you know, I mean, obviously we have, you know, we play with you guys and had played with you guys a bunch of times in Florida and around, around town for us here in our hometown of Florida. But, um, you know, it's just fun you know, and it, it's so, it's like a breath of fresh air because, you know, artists are, can sometimes take themselves so seriously and it's, it's, it can get, you know, depressing, emotional. And, you know, for me, it's like, I was never really drawn into to that. Like, it's good. It's good every now and then with, you know, some artists that I listen to, I'll, I'll, I'll go there, but it's nice to have a band and a group that's just about fun and just about having a good time. And I feel like that's always the vibe that I get from Ballyhoo. So I'm wondering if that was all rooted <laughs> at that rat concert. You know what I mean? You guys were there watching the, and, and the Motley Crue stuff that your dad was taking you to, and you were growing up on, like you were seeing music and you were going, this is about having a good time and, and, you know, having fun, you know, and, and, that's cool to hear that your first song also kind of had like that vibe. Yeah. I mean, we were, I don't know, we were kids with guitars and drums and like it was, we were, I was writing songs about like how much school sucked and, um, you know, why doesn't she want to be with me? <laughs> why is she with him? That, yeah, that kind of absolutely. stuff. You know, Super like, relatable. Yeah. Just, and, uh, you know, I tend to write about my feelings a lot too. And, um, sometimes it can be dark, but, yeah. uh, th I've always found like this, um, really interesting dynamic of writing dark stuff to like upbeat melodies. Yeah. I get that. And beats. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Somehow it makes it okay. So the first show you know, you guys get up there. Now, are you Ballyhoo at this point? Yeah, it was always Ballyhoo. That's awesome. So how, how did you guys come up with that name? You know, it goes back to that, you know, just having a great time. Ballyhoo just has like an awesome, uplifting vibe. Where did that name come from? Uh, it was a friend of ours. Um, always got to shout her out. Michelle Heller. She's out there. Shout out, Michelle. Um, she, uh, she was a goofy kid like us. And, um, I don't know. We were looking for band names and it's really hard to come up with a good band name. And like, tell me about to it. Be honest, <laughs> yeah. 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 To be honest, like I think about changing it once a week, um, even today. Uh, but, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it is what it is, but, uh, yeah, she just was like, Hey, you should call your band Ballyhoo. 
and I had no idea what it meant. Uh, it, it, it was a, it was like a foreign word to me. Um, and, but it sounded silly and colorful and big. Like whenever we, anytime I've made a logo for the band, it's always like big letters, you know, whether it's block letters or like, uh, I don't know. And I, or, or I remember the first logo, it was a, it was like block letters, all lowercase, but like jumbled up, kind of like they were bouncing around and I would flip the H so it was backwards and I put the exclamation mark on there and it just sort of like, I don't know, conveyed this, this vision of like this image of fun, silly, you know, I don't know, uh, off the wall kind of thing. And, and the, the definition, the definition is like, um, there's a few definitions, but one of them is, uh, like organized chaos kind of like when you go to like a circus or a festival, like a music festival yeah. and you're looking around and you're just like, look at all the ballyhoo. There's just a shit <laughs> happening. Yeah. Like just tons of shit happening yeah. all over the place. And you know, so that's kind of, and it, it stuck with me and just, it sounded good in my head. So yeah, it stuck. Absolutely. Stuck I think it works great, man. I mean, I'll, I think it's cool as a punk name too. You guys still kind of have that punk vibe. You haven't really left that, which is really cool. You know, there's a there's a hints of reggae, there's ska, there's punk. Um, it's definitely all thrown in there. So you guys are out there, you're playing your first show. How did you, how did you come into, to wanting to play, you know, reggae music and, and ska? I know, I know that, you know, obviously you have some big influence, a uh, big influence for you was, uh, Green Day and I'm sure Dookie, you know, same here when Dookie came out, that was like life changing. But at what point did you get into reggae and, you know, want to kind of mesh it up with, with all the different styles? It was, it was, uh, the definitive moment was when I heard, um, here in your bedroom by a band called Goldfinger. Oh yeah. Very familiar. Um, yeah, I was already like familiar with the reggae ska sound. Um, but I didn't, I didn't realize what I was listening to. Like I, for whatever reason, like Goldfinger just seemed to do it the right way for me. Maybe it was the right time for me to hear it or something, but cause I was already, I mean, by then this was, this was 96 this is like spring 96. So by then, you know, and out come the wolves by Rancid was already out. And I was already listening to operation Ivy, which is a, a, a Bay area band from where green day comes from the old, old homies of theirs. Yeah used to play at Gilman street and they were like a ska punk band. And I never realized kind of what I was hearing. Like I, I could hear the, the skanks and stuff on the guitars and everything. And, and, but yeah. And I remember being into it, but I, I don't know, just didn't connect like, like the Goldfinger did. For sure. Um, so I heard this, these songs, I, I heard hearing your bedroom on the radio. And then like two days later, I finally, I bought the record and I listened to it front to back a thousand times. And then, then my friends bought it. Like, I don't know what it was. It was something about it. Like, um, and so the band was uh, about a year into it at this point. And we were just doing, you know, we were playing like pop punk songs and, you know, rock, whatever. Because, you know, the bands back then, the big bands are Bush and Silverchair and oh, yeah. Pearl Jam. All the alternative. Yeah. yeah. 
different kind of alternative back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> alternative yeah. rock. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. It was like guitars, <laughs> real drums. Yeah. You know, there were like four dudes on stage and not like nine. And not like know? all DJ equipment. Yeah. And just yeah. like nothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's where I got it from. And um, so once I heard this Goldfinger stuff, um, and then it was like Sublime came like Sublime was out, but like they weren't popular until 96 when, when Brad died. And um, so all that stuff started coming. I was like, fuck, I'm going to start writing shit like this. Like, that's cool. Like I'm, you know, doing these upstrokes and it took a while to learn, learn how to sing and play at the same time. Um, the ska and reggae stuff. Cause it's on the up. And uh, I don't know, man, I just started like writing things and writing lyrics and just putting this, these chords that I knew together and, and this new style. And it just became something else. Um, I just felt, again, I felt like the, the floodgates open uh, creatively. Now do it for the money in 2006. Was this your first like release as Ballyhoo? Like uh, first time going into the studio with the band? It was the second album, second official release. Um, the first album was uh, called 365 day weekend and it came out in uh, October of 2000. So, nice. um, and this was, yeah. And it was the, <clears throat> the second record came out in January of 2006. So it was, it was a long time between records. Um, we had been to the studio several times between then. It just never like, we couldn't get it. Like, I don't know the, the engineers, like they're not that we were working with weren't super experienced and weren't like edgy and like, like when I approach my mixes and the people that we work with now, when we record with other people, like yeah. they usually are like super creative and they, they can, I don't know. You gotta be creative when you're recording, when you're an engineer and like think of cool shit to do. And, um, back then it was just sort of like, it was super expensive. We couldn't take a lot of time <laughs> and you just got what you got, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so things just didn't work out. And finally, in like, Oh, three, and I was like, Oh, four, I guess we started, um, we hooked up with this guy, Jerome, who played in some local bands around here and he had a nice studio at his house. And, um, it wasn't, well, it wasn't nice. It was a fucking shit show. It was like a <laughs> single and it was just like, it was a mess. <laughs> he was single, it but, must have been but he had nice gear. <laughs> okay. Know? Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he knew what he was doing and, and we made a good team. So we, we it took about two years for that record to finally come out the second record but that was the one that really like put us on the map because we started touring but yeah um if i go back before that um yeah the first record we did that in two days for like 700 bucks and it came out six months later i, I got a loan at the bank like a thousand bucks to like press cds i mean it wasn't even enough to press all the cds you know um i'm spending all my money that i made at work to get um to get this done and we had recorded a couple of years before that. My dad actually paid for the session, um, but it never saw the light of day and uh, probably for the better. And um, so we'd had a lot of experience in the studio, you know, especially by the time the second record came out. Um, but the first record that actually came out was 11 songs. And it was more like a, a collection of songs. It was like, well, we know how to play these the best, so we should record these, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas nowadays it's like you record 15 or 20 songs and 11 or 12 make the record. Yeah. Um, you can afford to be more choosy. And nowadays 
you know, we do everything ourselves and I can just sit here and, you know, play a, a guitar solo a hundred times by myself without being embarrassed. Cause I don't know how to play guitar and like, <laughs> you know, singing, singing lines a hundred times, you know, just so I, cause it, I want it to be perfect, you know? So, you know, it's just been a, it's been an incredible like arc, this whole process. Um, but yeah, the second record is the one that put us on the map. We started touring in spring of uh, uh, 2006 and just kind of took off from there. So the song, the song, everything just hits, you know, with, for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote that song. That's one of the ones that I vaguely remember writing. But <laughs> I was listening to a lot of 311, which you can hear right from the top. Oh, yeah. I mean, you feel, I feel like, you know, we ripped that song from any 311 record, <laughs> um, that 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 riff. Yeah. And it's it's got that funky, bouncy feel that 311 is known for. Yeah. And then um, on the choruses... It's like da da everything everything yeah, like that super catchy. Yeah, that that's where like I, I was listening to. Okay, that first record by Maroon Five is fucking amazing. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. It's Song, really songs about Jane, right? Songs about yeah. Jane. Yeah. Oh, I know. And everything else can kick rocks, yeah. but like, but that record is so fucking good, and I wish they would go back to that, but. Um, uh, they're just making I, too much money. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, I get it. Ja- you know, the jazzy, that guitarist is a beast, man. Um, I think his name is James a, Valentine. James Valentine, yeah. He is a beast. Yeah, just uh, really, really like jazzy, poppy, but not too poppy. You know, it's kind of sweet. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, man. So I, I think what it was, was um, that song, This Love. Yeah. Um that chorus this love has right Right. so there was this weird thing that happened um i I, this chorus i I wanted to write something like that to where the song opens up and i know i knew i wanted to have these two hits let it breathe a little bit yeah and between between those chunks I wanted to have something that that jumped out to the listener, and that song, this this love, like I said, I was listening to that record like crazy at the time, yeah. and so it was like dun dun everything, and it was the same. This love has it was. It, I hear it me, now. I I would have never guessed that, but that's yeah, that's 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 the good stuff, you know. Yeah, um, and so. It was like three eleven Maroon Five. I, you know, take it how you. How yeah, you want, and the ver- but, um, and the verses, you know, have its own vibe too. That, that's really what I thought was so cool is just that, you know, you got that riff in the beginning, which you know it reminds me of three eleven, but it has its own kind of vibe to it because then it's coming right into those reggae, you know, into that quintessential you know Ballyhoo style, uh, straight into the verse, and then with the catchy you know 
hooks. And it's just cool because, you know, we spoke earlier about your love for pop hooks when you're growing up and it just stayed with you because it was like, you know, you guys all have always had the elements of punk, of reggae, of rock, harder rock, like you guys rock out. And yet still you have a hook, which, which I think has separated you from a lot of others is, is the ability to build those hooks. Um, when I'm listening to songs like, you know, no good on pineapple grenade, um, you know, songs like Cali girl, um, they just, yeah, they have amazing, amazing hooks on those, on those tracks. Thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so that being said, when you're, when you're writing these tracks, um, you know, as a songwriter, do you have, do you have a spot that you go, you know, I know it's so cool that you guys are like from, I haven't been to Aberdeen. I know you're from Aberdeen, Maryland. Um, <clears throat> but did you have a spot growing up? And even now, do you have a, a place that you go in order to write? Or do you just write in your bedroom or, or what, what's, what's your favorite spot to, you know, write music? I mean, I, I write wherever I write all the time. So, you know, I'm in my studio a lot. I'm in front of my computer, got my Kemper sitting right here. I got this MIDI keyboard. I got this microphone. I got everything I need is right here. Um, and I'm here every day when I'm home. And, um, so probably most of the time I'm writing here, but, um, certainly while I'm driving, when I'm in the shower, <laughs> you know, whatever, when I'm yeah. about to fall asleep, that's like the worst time. Cause then, then it got to fight like the laziness. Like I don't feel like getting up to lay this down. Well, <laughs> you, know? you have to, you have, to. but I've had, yeah, <laughs> I've had, I've had hit records that have just never, that are never going to see the light of day because I was too lazy to get up. Um, <laughs> You know, because you forget the next morning. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I find that um, when I'm in an ambient space, that's when a lot of the ideas come. So, like the shower, they say, you know, people sing in the shower and stuff like that. Like that's, I understand that because there's something about being there, you know, washing your hair, whatever, staring at the ceiling. And just the noise, the the white noise of of the the water, you know, maybe the fan going, like that is, and I just get these ideas, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, when I'm driving, if you know, usually I'm I've got a podcast going or something. I'm I like to listen to stuff while I drive. Sometimes I'll turn it off and I'll just be silent. And the road noise, you know, if the guys are all asleep or whatever, and it's just road noise, stuff like that, like. Um, I've definitely like written stuff at the beach before, you know, just listening to the waves and listening to the seagulls and things. Um, but it can come at any time. It really can. That's, it's uh, yeah, that's awesome. Now is Aberdeen close to a beach? I mean, you guys have like a pretty East coast, like, like you can get into that beachy, that beachy vibe. So is there, is there a beach close to you guys or yeah. So the, the closest beach, it's about two hours away, um, over in Delaware, and then Ocean oh, City here in Maryland. To Delaware, wow. Yeah, well, um, dude, I live like twenty minutes from the line. Oh, okay, like cool. It, it's not far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's about two hours to get to like Rehoboth or Dewey Beach or, or uh, Bethany Beach. Um, Ocean City is about two and a half hours, and but it's literally like if you if you looked at a map and saw if I put a star on the map where I live, it's it's 
due east, you know, as the crow flies, you got to go, you got to cross the Chesapeake Bay to get there, but just takes two and a half hours, you know? Um, and, uh, so we would go there every week. I mean, I'm sorry, every summer for a week, my mom would take us there growing up. And, um, and then there was, you know, senior week, everybody would go there and to ocean city. And that's where we spend the week and getting fucked up and whatever, trying to get laid. <laughs> yeah. Never got laid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so then I, I remember like just every time I go there, even now I've been there a bunch of times. I've played there a bunch of times. Like, like, it's just, there's something that hits me. I get this nostalgia that hits me and there's something in the air, the way it smells, you know, the salty air and like just, um, the wind and everything. I don't know. It's, it puts me in this place of being a kid again. Uh, so yeah, some, we'll go there and, you know, I've, I've definitely written songs there before, but, but then here where I live, um, I live in Havity Grace now, which is 10 minutes from Aberdeen, but it's right on the Susquehanna river. So like I just drive down the hill about six minutes and, downtown there there's the water it's just and we go out on the boat in the summer with friends and it's just i don't know people always wonder like why i'm into this music that we're playing you know why we play this style and that's absolutely part of it you know it wasn't just because i heard goldfinger one day it was because you know the there's this lifestyle built around boat boating and you know and i never i i I fucking hate fishing. I, I don't want to go fishing. <laughs> yeah. I don't do anything like that. I'll go sit on a boat. I'll go lay on a boat. Yeah. You know, um, I'll go to the beach, things like that. But I don't know. It's just, there's something about like being with your friends, with your girl out on the boat, sun, drinking beer. And then that just translates to the music, you know? Definitely. And you're, you're wanting to be the soundtrack for those, for those moments and those times. It, I mean, the music speaks for itself. I, yeah. I get, I look at my IG story every day and it's like, so-and-so mentioned you and you, you tap it and it's a video of them like driving or on a boat or, you know, a, a picture, a video of like somebody smoking weed and like, you know, it's just like this, this whole lifestyle <laughs> yeah. vibe, you know, Absolutely. people drinking. It's just, I'm, I'm happy to be, I'm happy and I'm like proud and blessed, you know, to be a part of people's lives like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another track that really stands out to me, I know that we live in this uh, interesting time when, you know, basically you're summed up by your, your five top songs, which is why I think it's so cool that you guys push out so much content and even singles nowadays too. Um, but your number one most played track, I have to say, I think it's, I think there's a reason for it. It's just ridiculously catchy. So here we are again in fisticuffs just like last week. You got your brass knuckles and I got a machete. Not too long ago we used to cuddle in our sleep. Somehow this shit got turned around and now the words got deep. All the You know, I found myself instantly singing along like, you know, it's just like a, a killer track is Walk Away. Um, do you remember what went into writing 
that track or where you were when it kind of that melody popped in your head? I want to say it was 2010. It was either late 2009 or early 2010. Um, I was driving near my house one day and uh, the um, the line and the melody came at the same time. It was just out of nowhere. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, um, girl, we just can't take much more. You know, we make each other miserable. Let's just call it what it is, you know? And like, for whatever reason, it just, it stuck with me for a while. And I just, I just built on it. So I, I just, you know, probably came home and grabbed the acoustic and started strumming and, you know, and playing like that. It'll happen a lot. Like I'll have a, I'll have like the melody or the words or the words in the melody. I'm lucky if I get the words to come with the melody. Like that's, that's been the hardest thing mm. for me. Uh, over the years is like writing the right words. Mm. And it's probably because I'm just like a perfectionist in that way. Like I don't, like I want it to be great. And if I don't feel like it's great, then I get stuck in this hole, you know? Yeah. And so that one, that just kind of came like that. And I just started strumming along and, uh, I don't know. I just brought it to the guys one day. I'm, I mean, that was it. I, I lyrically, uh, my buddy Greg Shields plays in a band called Cashed Out. Um, they're from Orlando. And he, when we were in the studio recording, um, I needed help with the lyrics. He helped me out with the lyrics on it. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, I mean, and at the time, you know, we didn't realize that we were recording our biggest song. You know, what would be our biggest song? Um I mean, it's, I an ear, just, it's an earworm for sure. Yeah, I, mean, I, I totally understand why. I, I get yeah, it, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm that way too. Like, I love, I love melody, and and the message is interesting. You know, it's like about breaking up when you realize when you both of you realize that it's just time to to move on, and yeah. you kind of break up in, in this like mutual thing. It doesn't have to be violent, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, I can understand why people love it. And um, looking back, I'm like, fuck, I wish that we would have like, you know, added some horns to this or maybe like fixed that one part. But, but at the same time, it's like, well, maybe not because it's, it's the number one song and people just love it the way it is. You know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Interesting. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that song is, is killer. Um, which kind of takes me to um the last part in ten, uh, t talking about more so like the the albums and the writing, um, but this this latest release um, with the track detonate. Um, first off, you know, killer killer video. I think the video super clean and simple, but it just it it was nice, man. It really captured the performance. Thanks, um, was this? Uh, I mean, you guys just churn out content and. Does a lot of this have to do with, um, I know you guys have your own, you know, record label and, and studio now. Um, is that where you're kind of doing all these cuts? Um, Detonate was recorded uh, for the most part in Apopka, Florida with uh, our friend Mike Stevie, who actually engineered Daydreams and Pineapple Grenade. Um, and... Uh, the reason being, um, one, because 
back then. So this is what, 2019? So 20, yeah. So about a year ago, we recorded in January of 2018. So year and a few months back then, I didn't really like, I was on my way to like being a better engineer and things like that recording. Um, but I just knew it was like drums. If we're going to do drums, like we got to go to Mike because by the time like I'd written probably like almost half the record and I knew I was like, okay, these songs, the way they're sounding in my head, uh, I knew that this was going to be a slight return to that sound, like the daydreams era. Yeah. So, and Mike has only gotten even better as an engineer since then. Um, and I just knew it was going to be great. I'd heard some records he'd done recently. He did the, the super villains record. Um, and that sounds awesome. And I was just like, okay, this is where we need to go with this. I think we need to go see him. So went to his place. <clears throat> we recorded the, uh, the drums and bass there. And I was in the, I was in the living room recording my guitars while they were doing drums and stuff. And like, trying to produce at the same time, you know? And like, uh, <laughs> yeah. so when they were done recording drums and bass, I would send them, I would throw my guitar tracks in, in the Dropbox and he'd pull them into his session. And then, you know, it was interesting. It was a really cool way to do it. Um, just kind of add the layers as you go. And, uh, we spent eight days with him. So we did the entire record drums and bass and most of the guitars in eight days. And, uh, I came home, I think it was after that tour with, uh, fortunate youth in the spring, came home from that and did the rest of the, any other guitar stuff and did all the vocals and stuff here at my place. Nice. And it was just, it was great. It was an awesome, uh, workflow, you know, cause it was like, yeah. we knew we had, had these eight days. This is it. Like, let's get this done. Cause drums are most important for me. Like, let's get the drums done. Oh yeah. And we can do bass layer if we need to, but we ended up having enough time. Like Donald knocked out the drums in like three fucking days or something like that. <laughs> nice. And the rest of it was just like tweaking and making sure it was good and doing the bass and throwing the guitars on there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just a great workflow. And I don't know, it, it was not like, it wasn't anything like, I remember with girls, we went to Texas for two weeks and I was losing my fucking mind. Like I was, I was, I felt like under immense pressure because th there, there was a lot going on. Like we, we felt like we didn't know, I don't know, we didn't, we just, I didn't know if we were going to continue the band. I, there were definitely moments where I was like, okay, this is done. And while you and were like, recording? out in texas before, you said i mean definitely I, I imagine while we were recording too but like before that yeah like girls thinking like yeah like thinking like okay this if this record doesn't doesn't pop off like i mean what the fuck because like i'm i'm putting all my effort like i'm focusing all of all of my creative energy for sure on these songs to to try and craft this i don't know uh I don't know, hooky, melodic thing, you know, and it's got beats on it, a lot of production. We went heavy on production, you know, and yeah. I'm proud of it. I love the record. I think it turned out awesome. Um, you know, but our fans, when they, when it came out, it was, it was, it was our biggest release ever. Um, we had a great rollout, three months of just solid content every week, just pushing the shit out of the pre-order. Um, it sold a ton of, ton of records the first week. We were number one in alternative 
nice. for the entire weekend at, uh, at iTunes. Um, and I'm looking at 21 pilots and green day. They're all below us. You know, they could not <laughs> touch us. None of, of those bands, dude, it was amazing. None <laughs> of those bands could touch us, dude. No one was moving us. From, we could, we would not budge from number one and Monday comes and you know, you start to fall and that's fine. That's what happens. But we were stuck there all fucking weekend, dude. Like nice. I couldn't believe, it. I remember uh, we played some like some shows in Florida, like the record release parties with bump and uglies, some friends of ours. And, I'm all wasted. Like after our set, Brandon comes up to me, uh, the singer bump. And he comes up to me, he shows me, he's like, dude, it's out. And he's like, looking at the iTunes, it's number five on the charts. Like what the fuck? That's awesome. And then later that like at two in the morning, it's number one. It just stayed there. till Monday, nice. you know, and it was, it was such an accomplishment, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, uh, in an age where downloads are not a thing anymore, it's all streaming. Yeah. You know, we were still able to hit number one and our fans are fucking awesome, you know. Um, but the process to get there, it was like, you know, <laughs> so there's a saying, it's like uh, sometimes the only way is through. The only <laughs> way out is through, yeah. you know. You can't go around it. Um, and that's what it felt like. It felt like we put ourselves through this gauntlet. And there are moments where I was ready to fire everyone (laughs) you know yeah and uh we were all i don't know there we were fighting it was crazy and the record did well um but then when when it came time to finally get the new record together my 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 dad had died at the end of 2016 and i didn't really write anything for about eight months is roughly you know it was like he just he died december of 2016 it was like august 2017 when i really started like sitting down and really focusing again to write and um so like i i wrote i don't want to go that was the first one and i'd written a couple of songs on detonate i had written before that like i'd written in the last couple years leading up to that like 2015 2016 but it was never like it was never like it never put me in a mood like okay this is the next record this is what's happening yeah it was when I wrote, I don't want to go. I was like, I finished, I listened to the playback. It was, I, the song wrote itself front to back. I listened to that motherfucker like a hundred times. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is it. This is where we need to go. Like, I don't know what's happening, but this is the shit right here. Like that fucking beat. And it felt like, I felt like my aggression coming out. I felt like my, the things I wanted to say, like all that stuff, like, just being over it, just being tired of all the bullshit and like tired of like management telling us one thing, tired of like ticket sales not being great, tired of tired of like driving all the miles and the hours just to, you know, to not have a great show to, you know, just all these things having to do like the, um, you know, like I love going to the merch table. I love our fans. I love like meeting people and, and I'm super like, uh, appreciative and grateful for it. Um, but I was in a headspace for a couple of years, you know, where it was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is just too much. It's overwhelming. It's like, you know, it's just all these things. And after my dad died, it got worse, you know, and like we did that tour with real big fish and anti-flag and it was supposed to be the best tour ever, but I just, I hated it every night. I yeah. love those bands and it was awesome. But like, it just, I felt like we weren't playing well and I wasn't playing well and, and we weren't going over well. Like the crowds weren't into us and like, it just felt bad for seven weeks. Like I was, on, I was on tour, like 11 days after my dad died, I was on tour for seven weeks, mm. you know, 
we couldn't cancel, you know, it was just, so we just did it. We just, we went through it and, and that was it. And then I don't want to go happened. And I was like, fuck, this is it, dude. So I just just started writing like all my shit, like all my, (laughs) all my issues, man, everything Mm -hmm. that I was struggling with internally, I just wrote it down and I sang that shit. And Mm. the music that was happening was more aggressive and more punk and, you know, ska, whatever. Like, yeah, there was not really any reggae happening. Like the chill vibey <laughs> stuff, like alcoholics beautiful tonight and yeah. somewhere tropical and wasn't happening. And, and I was happy, man. I was stoked. I was like, fuck it. This is it, dude. And I still love, I love playing reggae, man. The, our next single is going to, is a fucking dope ass reggae track. You know, it's like, I think I heard it. Is it the one with uh Ted? Yeah. Yeah. I peeped it the other day. I saw, I saw, I saw you went live. I was I wasn't on there for the live part, but I I went back and I saw you you mixing and stuff, and I was like, let me check this out. The song sounds killer, man. It sounds really good. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks, that song man. is a, is a hitter. But that's that's the beautiful beautiful thing about you guys is that you're not like a a, a one trick pony. You know, you guys have you guys have a lot of different things. It's you know, some tracks are ska, some tracks are just hard. You know, hard punk and fast. But then you're gonna throw out this new, you know, this new, um, just a killer, killer reggae track. How would you describe that that new one with Ted? I mean, I think you said it, killer reggae track. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think it's no, man. It's just, uh, I, I I remember writing the the riff, the main riff, um, in like 2017, sometime. Like I said, like I was, I was still writing back then. It just wasn't really focused and really. I'd, I'd come up with something, I'd lay it down, I'd forget about it, you know, for yeah. a year. Um, so I started digging through stuff when it came time to think about making a new record or whatever. And I found that I was like, oh, that's cool. And I'd forgotten that I'd brought Nick over at some point, like months after I recorded that initial part, our bass player brought him, brought him over. I was like, yo, let's come up with something for this. Like we need like another, something else to happen. And as we started fucking around, I played a chord progression. He played to that and i was like cool i got kind of gotta have a finished song now um forgot about it and then we decided because we we're going to be doing this one love festival back in february and then doing this tour with expendables the week after i was like well i don't want to like we're going to be off for like four days i don't want to like just sit around in a hotel room like i i want to work i want to do something so it kind of got me to get the juices flowing and like um get up and I, I hit up a uh, pepper. I mean, I'm, yeah, you from pepper. They have a studio out there in Redondo and he, he's like, yeah, sure. So we went out there and we, we used their engineer and it was one of the, one of the songs we laid down. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, when I get back to my studio, finally, after that tour, like, I, when I get here, I'm able to really sit down and focus on one song at a time yeah. and really give it the treatment and make it sound the way I want it to sound. And uh, once I got a pretty decent mix going, I was like, well, shit, this should just be the next single. Like, why not? There's, there's no rules, man. There's just no rules. Like why, you know, uh, timing wise, you know, um, we put detonate out in the end of September, you know? So I don't know, seven months ago or whatever. Keep it going. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean what why why wait there's no yeah. we're gonna die soon right <laughs> like, why and stylistically why limit yourself you can right. do all these things you know and like yeah. the way we do it 
it's never forced. Like we don't ever force anything. If something's not working, we don't do it, you know, but like if it comes out, it's like, this is fucking dope. Like people should hear this, you know? Do you have um, a name for that one yet? Or is that a, is that a, a secret, secret info? No, it's, it's called Renegade. Renegade. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. That was the hook. Yeah. Yeah. That song is killer. Um, Can't wait for that. Simple. When does that one drop? Um, I'm working on the, uh, I, I'm hoping it, I'm, I'm pushing for a Memorial day weekend. Um, I just have nice. to, I have to get the art done and there's a lot that goes in. Like we have to give our distributor like roughly a month to get it in the system and everything. So I'm hoping that in the next week or two, I'll be able to get it submitted and then we'll, I'll be able to announce a official release date. But yeah, I mean, awesome. there, there's just uh there's no point in, in limiting yourself stylistically or, or, you know, with the giving yourself deadlines and windows and things like just, just make the music and get it out there. Like, sure. Have a plan set, make a plan. You know, you want it to be successful. You want people to hear it. And so you got to plan for that kind of stuff, but like, you don't have to wait two years between records. You just don't. And nowadays you don't have to wait a year between records. Just put something else out, you know, yeah, nine months pop later. Singles out. I'm saying, dude, it's it might, might show up in one of those five on Spotify. That's the game that's, anyways. Right. So exactly, dude. And we'll play it, dude. I've got all this gear now. Like it took me years to build this. Yeah. Like it's like this little studio setup I have, you know, I remember being like 19 or 20 and borrowing friends four tracks because I couldn't afford or, you know, whatever, like just yeah. to throw ideas down. And now I've got everything that I've need that I need. Why am I just going to let sit here? You know, like Absolutely. I'm going to work at, I'm, I'm going to do what I do, you know, you know, to any upcoming songwriters, people that are just starting out, what kind of advice would you give to them as they kind of start their craft? Uh, I would say just, um, stick to your guns. Don't let outside influences, uh, tell you to do something you're not comfortable with. Um, I think it's always be open to experimentation, always be open to try things. But at the end of the day, if you're not comfortable with it, if you're not into it, um, don't do it. Just do it. Write the things that you want to write. Say what you want to say, you know, because it's going to be you singing the songs or, you know, playing the songs. Um, and keep uh, just keep writing. Write as much as possible. Record as much as possible, even if it's just into your voice notes on your phone. You don't need to be in a studio. Just, you know, GarageBand is free, you know, like that, that type of thing. Like, lay down all your ideas and just keep writing as much as possible because you never know one day that thing is going to pop out and that, that could be the jam. That could be the one, you know, um, that that's, that's it really just, just awesome. keep working at your craft. Love it, man. That, that, that was really good. That what you just said about, um, just keep going. Cause you know, me as a songwriter, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's really hard. Oh, yeah, it's, it, feel, it feels <laughs> like you have to, it feels like you have to only do it when you're feeling it. But then if you only do it when you're feeling it, you're, you're kind of making it into this thing that's like, you're always chasing and then it becomes not fun. So I, I almost feel like you have to have a routine built around it where it's like, I've, I've been telling myself for a long time, I'm, I'm working on a lot of new music here in West Palm. I'm doing solo stuff. I have, I'm going to, you're going to see my music come out sometime this year, next year, I have a couple different projects, but, um, right. I've been telling myself like challenge yourself, like write every day, like write a song a day. Yeah. And I keep telling myself that 
And I've, <laughs> I've maybe written two in the last three weeks. You know Dude, what I mean? It. it doesn't have to be a full song. It literally can be the seed for something greater later. Just get, yes, get, if you, there's gotta be a line of words or a melody in your head every day. There's, I mean, there, there must be, you know, I know there is for me, there's like fucking several knocking around in there every day when I wake up, you know, it's just a matter of taking the time, go run into your closet and just pull your phone out and sing into your phone. Like those things, because it does, you start a Dropbox folder or something or whatever, a heart on your hard drive, whatever you got to do. And then you just, you revisit it once a week. You just go, Oh, what I do this week? Oh, that's cool. Oh my God. Sick. And then there's, there's the seed right there. And then piece it together. Yeah. So, yeah. I think people get caught up on, um, and I'm totally guilty of this, but like they get hung up on, uh, I need to write a song. It's not, no, <sighs> dude, just, just write, uh, put jot right. your ideas down and it, let it happen organically, naturally. Uh, let it happen. You know, see, see that's, this is what this podcast is for. Howie, this is awesome. <laughs> I just learned something, man. I just realized what I've been doing wrong, which is you don't need to write a whole song. You, you can just do like a verse or like a riff or, but do something, you know, get something every day. You know, that's, that's kind of the goal of, of, you know, what, what I'm trying to make happen. And even uh, if you think it sucks, even if it's the dumbest thing you've ever written, just get it out of your head. You got like, I'm a believer that I don't know how true this is, but like, I'm a believer that the more shit I get out of my head, the more new stuff can come in. A big thanks to Howie for joining me on Song Thrive. Be sure to catch Ballyhoo on all streaming platforms, especially their new single, Renegade, featuring Ted Bound of Pacifier. For tour info and upcoming shows near you, be sure to check out their website at ballyhoorocks.com. Over and out.